Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, April 28th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. In North Carolina, new details on the police shooting of black resident Andrew Brown Jr. as the community there sees another night of protests and anger over his death. The U.S. making progress in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic as the White House doubles down on efforts to get residents vaccinated. And ahead of the 100-day mark, President Joe Biden preparing to brief both chambers of Congress on what he's accomplished so far and the challenges that lie ahead. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and the fatal police shooting of Andrew Brown Jr. last Wednesday. Just moments ago, the judge in that case denying a request to release body cam footage of the incident. The decision coming shortly after a North Carolina prosecutor said that Brown had hit law enforcement officers with his vehicle before they opened fire. Elizabeth City Police in riot gear overnight as protesters defy a curfew taken to the streets for a week straight after Andrew Brown Jr. was fatally shot by deputies. Some demonstrators seen here getting arrested. Charges include violating curfew and blocking a highway. This new video, taken moments before Brown was released, shows North Carolina Sheriff's deputies racing down the street, piled on the back of a truck, speeding up to Brown's home, they say with the intent to serve a warrant for drug charges. Moments later, shots were fired. The 42-year-old was killed. On Tuesday, his family and their lawyer releasing an independent autopsy, saying he was shot four times in the arm and once in the head. It was a kill shot to the back of the head. The state releasing his death certificate, confirming he died in minutes of a penetrating gunshot wound of the head. A black man unarmed, a back, bullet in back of his head for no reason whatsoever. Meanwhile, today, a North Carolina court will consider this petition filed by 16 media companies pushing for the release of body camera footage. A 2016 North Carolina law states recordings made by law enforcement agencies are not public records. Therefore, they cannot be released to the public without a court order. However, family members are allowed to view video without a court order. Brown's family has so far only seen a small portion of it, but they still have too many unanswered questions as to what happened. We would like to see all the body cam footage. We would like any dash cam that's available, just any information that we can provide to this family. And in California, after seeing video of his interaction with officers, the family of a Latino man who died in police custody says he was murdered. 26-year-old Mario Gonzalez died after what police have called, quote, a scuffle. His death coming just one day before the conviction of Derek Chauvin. An autopsy is pending and the cause of death has not been determined. Three investigations are ongoing, according to police. 
And Chicago's Independent Police Review Board on Wednesday released a video of yet another fatal shooting by police, this time of a 22-year-old Latino man who was shot in the back late last month during a chase that happened on foot. Mayor Lori Lightfoot called for calm before the release of the March 31st footage of the fatal police shooting of 22-year-old Anthony Alvarez. All this a repeat of just two weeks ago when she called for peace before the release of footage showing police killing a 13-year-old Latino boy, Adam Toledo. And now let's go to Washington, where President Joe Biden will be addressing a joint session of Congress this evening. He's expected to deliver a progress report on the promises he made for the first 100 days of his presidency and also to call on Congress for help with his next priorities. Edwin Piti is outside the Capitol with the very latest details. Edwin, what can we expect to hear from the president tonight? Andrea, the president will definitely start with some of the accomplishments that he has been able to do during the first 100 days in office. But moving forward, he will be calling on Congress to help him out passing a lot of the policies that he has been fighting for lately. He will be delivering a lot of details on this plan announced by the White House this morning called the American Families Plan. We're talking about a $1.8 trillion initiative that is trying to give families who live under poverty a safety net. The White House saying they don't want them to have to spend over 7% of their annual income on childcare. Also, they want to talk a lot about education. We know that this plan is trying to to make access to community college completely free and also universal access for pre-K. But so far, Andrea, it doesn't have the support of GOP here on Capitol Hill because this plan comes with a price tag of $1.5 trillion on increase of taxes. This is for millionaires and also corporations, and that's why Republicans so far are not on board. But the White House wants to make sure that this plan is providing Congress with all the information they need especially when it comes to the domestic agenda of President Biden. And again, Andrea, talking about his agenda, President Biden is expected to make a call for Congress to pass his immigration bill that has a pathway for citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants. And the White House also adding that if they don't want to support this, they are leaving the door open to negotiate and pass their immigration proposal in pieces, starting with giving uh, a pathway to citizenship for dreamers that have been in this country for so many years working and contributing to our communities. But I want to tell you before going back to you, Andrea, that not everything will be the same. Usually when there is a joint session of Congress, uh, 1,600 people attend because of COVID. That's not going to be the case today. We are only expecting 200 people. Also, the cabinet, it's not going to be here. All of them will be following the speech um, virtually or in their homes. And for that reason, there is no need to uh, name a designated survivor. Members of the Justice uh, Department and the Supreme Court won't be here. Only one justice will be attending. And the guest from the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, will be joining the speech virtually. But one of the most expected days today, Andrea, is one that will be made making headlines when Biden talks to the country, but right behind him, there will be two females, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and Vice President Kamala Harris. We are reporting live on Capitol Hill. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, reporting from Washington.
COVID-19 cases are falling in the U.S. as the White House ramps up vaccine deliveries. Meanwhile, the CDC offering encouraging new updates for those fully inoculated. Lorraine Caceres has the latest on the pandemic here in the U.S. The U.S. seeing positive numbers, cases of coronavirus down by nearly 21 percent, daily cases averaging 54,000, deaths and hospitalizations also declining. The director of the CDC now feeling much more optimistic after saying weeks ago that she feared the country might be facing impending doom. I will say we have plateaued our cases. Cases are starting to come down. We think that this is related to increased vaccination, increased people taking caution. And so I'm cautiously optimistic with that we're turning the corner. The CDC announcing Tuesday new mask-wearing guidance for fully vaccinated people, saying it is safe to not wear one outdoors unless it's in a crowded situation like a concert or a sporting event. There are many situations where fully vaccinated people do not need to wear a mask, particularly if they are outdoors. If you are fully vaccinated and want to attend a small outdoor gathering with people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, or dine at an outdoor restaurant with friends from multiple households, the science shows if you are vaccinated, you can do so safely unmasked. The bottom line is clear. If you're vaccinated, you can do more things more safely, both outdoors as well as indoors. For, so for those who haven't gotten their vaccination yet, especially if you're younger or think you don't need it, this is another great reason to go get vaccinated now, now. Some states also making their own encouraging announcements. Ohioans will no longer have to quarantine if they are exposed to someone with COVID-19. The governor tweeting, by changing our health order, students 16 and 17 years old who are vaccinated will be able to participate in sports and other activities even when they have been exposed to someone with COVID. The White House is significantly increasing doses of COVID-19 vaccines going out this week. This week, Nearly 30 million doses will go out across channels, with the vast majority going to states, tribes, and territories. But demand for vaccines continues to dip. In Iowa, 80 of the state's 99 counties are declining some or all of their vaccine allotments this week due to falling demand. And so far, about 96 million Americans have gotten both doses of Pfizer or Moderna, so they're fully inoculated. Meanwhile, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the CDC is now saying that two more people have suffered blood clots. So that brings a total of people suffering the TTS syndrome, which is what they're calling it, to 17. Back to you, Andrea. We definitely need to monitor that. Thanks so much, Lorraine, for that report. Meanwhile, in Miami, controversy continues after a private school there issued a series of anti-vaccine measures for teachers and staff. Grecia Lastra has the latest on the backlash against the operators of that school. The controversy centers around the Sentner Academy, an exclusive private school with two campuses in the city of Miami. This week, they have warned their staff not to get vaccinated against COVID-19 and went as far as to say they will not hire anyone who has been inoculated. In addition to spreading alarming and unsubstantiated information about the risks of vaccination. 
tens of thousands of women around the world have recently been reporting adverse reproductive problems from being around those who have received any of the COVID-19 inoculations. Nowhere in the statement does the school explain how it is even possible for one vaccinated person to infect another. According to this expert, what the school states is not improbable, but impossible. In no way can it affect another person other than to reduce the possibility that I could be infected, and I cannot infect you. The owners of Setner Academy are Layla and David Setner, a wealthy couple well-known in Republican circles for their generous donations and opposition to COVID vaccines. On her Instagram page, Layla has shared conspiracy theories that have caused a social network to ban her from posting. Univision obtained this video of a Zoom meeting during which she addressed the issue of COVID and vaccines. As long as this is... As long as this is an experiment and we haven't deciphered the implications of what's going on, I'm not comfortable with the vaccinated people being around the boys for those first 30 to 60 days. In the wake of the controversy and despite the criticism received, the school is sticking to its position. This injection is still classified as an experimental medicine. It is not scheduled for FDA approval until at least 2023. We know not everyone agrees on this issue, but this is our philosophy at Sentner Academy, which many of our teachers and parents share. On the way out of school, we tried to talk to parents. Most did not want to talk, but a few did. We should get vaccinated, the ones that can. I support Layla 100%, everything she says. What I love the most is my daughter. Aren't you worried the teachers aren't vaccinated? No, because it is an experimental vaccine. Reported by Lourdes de Rio in Miami, this is Grecia Lastra for U News. Breaking news this morning out of New York, federal investigators executing a search warrant at Rudy Giuliani's apartment. And that's according to the New York Times, which is reporting that it's part of an investigation into his Ukraine-related conduct. According to the Times, investigators seized Giuliani's electronic devices during this raid. The search warrant suggests investigators are ramping up their probe into whether Giuliani, a former New York City mayor and personal lawyer for former President Donald Trump illegally lobbied the Trump administration on behalf of Ukrainian officials and oligarchs in 2019. And in Arizona, that state's governor has signed a new bill into law Tuesday prohibiting abortions done solely because of generic abnormalities such as Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis. The bill passed both houses of the state legislature last week along narrow party lines. The new law requires medical providers to sign an affidavit swearing an abortion is not being done because of an abnormality. There is an exception if the condition is considered fatal or the health of the mother is endangered. The law makes it a felony for a doctor to perform an abortion that violates the law. And staying right there in Arizona, a controversial audit of the 2020 presidential election is now underway in Maricopa County, months after former President Trump's defeat. The audit, organized by Arizona's Senate Republicans, is being conducted despite the fact that the ballots have already undergone reviews and recounts, which found no evidence of widespread fraud. Joining us now to discuss this is Hayden Johnson. He's with the Campaign Legal Center, focusing on state advocacy, including Arizona. Thank you so much for being with us, Aiden. Thank you for having me on. How did this audit get started? Who's behind it? And what are they trying to determine exactly? Well, 
the audit got started basically trying to take a new look at the 2020 election that's already been deemed safe and secure and has gone through three rounds of official reviews uh, through state law processes. Now it's been handed off to this third party organization that's never done an election audit before and is just trying to manufacture reasons to make it harder to vote in Arizona going forward. Hayden, who is funding this audit and what are some of the concerns? There are big questions behind the funding of this audit and the short answer is we don't fully know. Uh, the, the drivers of this audit have reached out for private donations behind a veil uh, and, and we don't know what the outcome will be or what their true intent is. The secrecy around this has only been shortly lifted today when uh, Arizona reporters have been allowed on the scene for the first time. Now, conducting the audits is a firm called Cyber Ninjas. What is known about their experience doing this type of work? There is nothing known about their experience doing this type of work. There are certified forensic auditors that have already come into Arizona on two different occasions to do a review of the 2020 election. And this Cyber Ninjas is not one of those accredited forensic auditors. Instead, what they're trying to do is manufacture reasons to make voting harder in the future for Arizona's voters, not to look at the 2020 election. What about other states in the country? Are these types of audits also taking place elsewhere? This type of audit is unique in many ways, but one of the biggest ones is that it's never been done before in any other state, including this year. Other states have done official recounts with election officials uh, following state law. This process does not resemble those types of processes in the slightest. Now, what do we know about when it'll be wrapping up and what do you expect to see? Uh, that's a great question. And they've anticipated that mid-May would be the wrap-up date, but they've only counted short of 100,000 ballots so far. So they're well short of meeting that mark in mid-May. And we don't really know what the outcome will be because it's been such a secretive process one that doesn't restore the confidence of voters, it diminishes it. Well, keep us posted. Thanks so much, Hayden Johnson of the Campaign Legal Center. Thank you very much. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. A major announcement by ICE officials has immigrants breathing a sigh of relief. Peggy Carranza explains from New York. ICE will now be limiting immigration arrests carried out at courthouses. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced a new policy saying that these arrests discourage immigrants from cooperating with law enforcement. That fear 
the rumors and also the realities that people heard uh, led to a lot of people not going to court and dealing with what they had to deal with at courts. One of the state's hardest hit by courthouse arrests was New York, where the Immigrant Defense Project reported a 1,700% increase from January 2017 to December 2018. Around that time, Miriam Martinez's husband was detained. It was very traumatic for us. They told us it was ICE. We thought it was the police. He just left the court, said Miriam. In December 2020, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law prohibiting this type of detentions without a warrant authorized by a judge. We don't know exactly how this is going to pan out because courts are still in the process of reopening. Um, we know that um, ICE is still operating, but they're not operating as much as they were during the Trump administration. Under the new guidelines, courthouse arrests will only occur if the case is a matter of national security or if the person is a threat to public safety. The Trump administration justified its policy from 2018 by saying that the police didn't cooperate with ICE in sanctuary cities, therefore they were forced to make this arrest. In New York City, Peggy Carranza, U News. In other immigration news, the White House has announced that President Biden will nominate Harris County, Texas Sheriff Ed Gonzalez to serve as Director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Gonzalez was a critic of former President Donald Trump's immigration policies and, at one point, he withdrew his department from a controversial ICE program. According to his biography, Gonzalez was elected Sheriff of Harris County in 2016 and has a decades-long career in law enforcement. If Confirmed. Gonzalez would be the first politically appointed director in years. ICE never had a Senate confirmed director during the four years of the Trump administration. And on Capitol Hill, political disagreements are still swirling around immigration. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says Republicans are not expected to back a standalone bill for DREAMers. Instead, Republicans want to focus on the surge of people crossing the southern border. And along that border, the Biden administration now taking aim at those involved in the trafficking of migrants. Claudia Uceda has more on those efforts against so-called coyotes. Tired of seeing images like this, of coyotes dropping children from the border wall, or the one of this little boy crying because he was abandoned in the middle of the desert. The U.S. government decided to declare war on coyotes. We are going after their bank accounts. Documents to enter the United States will be canceled. The Operation Sentinel seeks to detect and disarm organized crime organizations that smuggle people. For agencies of the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, the DEA, and the State Department will work together to identify and apprehend traffickers. They will seek to break up trafficking networks, block bank accounts, and cancel visas. U.S. Border Patrol told us that transportation companies are also being targeted. Any transportation business that originates from Mexico and wants to come to the U.S. will be revoked or canceled. Border Patrol highlighted that so far this year they have carried out 4,700 operations to rescue stranded persons, who are usually women or children. 
The government said that the operation seeks to protect the borders and the immigrants. Traffickers are the enemy. This coyote explains how this business works in exchange for thousands of dollars. My role is to take them and get them to the wall. But there are those who think that the plan will not improve things. They said that when the arrests begin, the demand will go down and the amount that immigrants will pay the coyotes will increase. They're going to continue to be smugglers and maybe they will be able to charge more because they can say there is more risk and they have to pay more bribes to get through. So instead of 8,000, it's 12,000. And the government says that immigrants who cooperate with investigators could be granted a visa for victims of crimes. In Washington, Claudio Seda, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.